Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I wake up in the morning. It's time I see another day in the dark. Won't change the way I feel. This is real. Welcome to the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Founts. While Dr. Nicola is a psychotherapist and certified life coach, a podcast is a one-way street, so please consider this podcast for inspirational purposes only. If you feel you have mental health needs, please seek a professional therapist so that you might find your own mental wellness. Welcome to 18 Degrees Below Horizon Podcast. This is episode 23, so I think we should give each other a virtual high five on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a very fun summer. It's been great getting back into this, and I hope we can continue it even though school is back in session, which I know affects you more than it affects me. So, but... um, Anyway, so this is uh, John Fouts, one of the the co-hosts of the show, and this is Dr. Nicola Felton. And Hi. <laughs> if you can find us on 18 Degrees Below on Twitter, then you will have our Twitter handles, and you can find us, you can communicate with us, you can direct message us. We, I don't know. I'm really bad about the direct message thing. But if you tag us in a tweet, then we will uh, you know, definitely see that. So. Um, this morning, we're going to be talking about addictions, but uh, Nicola very wisely said, when it's not drugs or alcohol. And so once we decided on that, I wanted to have some stats. I felt like this was a stat-worthy episode. Okay. So as I started looking up stats, guess what? Um, what? If you type in um, stats on addiction, which I just wanted mm-hmm. overall global addictions, right? Uh, it's mm-hmm. nothing but drugs or alcohol. And it's normally drugs yeah. and alcohol. So then you, you tried to define it a little bit further. And it took me probably 10 searches. And then I eventually just had to go, okay, so how many people are addicted to porn? How many people are addicted to gambling? How many uh, people are addicted to binge watching? And that took a multiple mm-hmm. uh, searches to find that. So it's interesting that, you know, when we think about addictions, I think, Everybody has addictions, whether they're strong or whether they're uh, light, if that's even the the best terminology for them. We still have um, tendencies to fall into these habits, which can be addicting. Um, But I think everybody loves the alcoholics and the drug addicts because no matter what we've been doing, oh my gosh, did you see Joe Smith stumbling through downtown? He was high. He had been smoking weed. He had been drinking beer. He had been on a bender drinking scotch, whatever, you know. And, um, you know, because it's easy to point out. And I remember there was a uh, Van Halen song years and years ago. This is when Sammy Hagar was the uh, singer. And, you know, he was, and I can't even, I'll have to look up the title and maybe put it into a description or uh, hook, you know, link the uh, YouTube video. But it was interesting in that he was talking about how bad he felt about himself because Sammy was writing the lyrics because Eddie always did the music. And um, 
So anyway, and it kind of led around to no matter how bad he was doing, but look at, at least I'm not a politician doing crack. At least I'm not this, at least I'm not that. And I think we all have that tendency and maybe that is also an addiction, but I, I wanted you to define what an addiction is and what it is not. Okay. Um, well, based on what you're saying, we'll pull from that. Addictions are things that are actually the, the you know, aside from drugs and alcohol, but the mm-hmm. things that are hidden in plain sight. Mm, um, very good. There, there are things that you're, uh, and I did this in our little blurb, but things that you're drawn to, you're pulled through, you, mm-hmm. you feel like you're motivated to do, but it's really an obsession or a compulsion to do, regardless of the consequences, mm. uh, regardless of the circumstances, um, you feel just overwhelmingly pulled or drawn to do that thing. And no matter what, you're going to do it. That's mm-hmm. that's an ad- addictive uh, behavior. Um, when you find addiction is that when you actually are able to say, okay, I'm identifying this and this is something I need to stop because I do it too much and, too, and excessively, mm-hmm. and then you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't just do, you can't just stop. Um, sometimes we see people and we'll say, oh, you know, they're just um, they like to do that. That's their thing. You know, and it's, <laughs> oh, that's, you know, that's just John, you know, right. no big deal. Right. Uh, and not realizing that that person is, you know, obsessing over it. Or um, you have a person who uh, will go to we'll say gambling. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different types of addictions that I wanted to go to, but let's just say gambling and say, man, you know, he is so lucky. Mm-hmm. Every time he plays, he wins. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> right. Every time he tells you about it, everybody, t- every time he tells you about it, he has won. Right. But um, the addictive part is that he's been playing for seven days straight, whether he's going to the casino or he's playing some, you know, uh, gambling thing online mm-hmm. or he's making a bet with someone. Um, and people think that's interesting. You know, they're having a conversation in, in order to win their argument. The person says, I bet you $5, you know, um, <laughs> that's a person that you show, you know, addictive personality because they're willing to, uh, put a wager towards a little bit of everything. So, uh, so, uh, um, an addiction being something that you feel, uh, pulled to or drawn to, uh, you're obsessing over it. Uh, you have compulsions towards it, regardless mm-hmm. of the consequences or the circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that could be anything. Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to list a couple. And you added some. You you know you added uh, gambling and binge mm-hmm. watching. Oh, and then I went ahead and added another probably eight. So <laughs> okay. So I have you know food, sex, mm-hmm. porn, and sex and porn is two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and porn could be or wanting to be uh, part of porn or wanting to have like a whole porn mm-hmm. studio for yourself or mm-hmm. just watching it. Uh, using computers or the internet. And this is not necessarily always on your cell phone. This is like when your cell phone is on a charger, you've got to go get some other type of, mm-hmm. you know, computer thing. Right. Uh, playing video games, a really bad problem with uh, teenagers. It's also become a problem with very young children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can't always, um, you know, we have these fun little games and apps and things for our kids to play when they're three, four, five years old. Mm-hmm. And some are learning games. But if you get to the point where your kid's like always on it, always on it, always on it. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk a little bit about that because I know of a, um, a parent who said there was um, in a little game. They had their kid three or four playing and they were learning Spanish and couldn't find out her kid was staying up, you know, to one or two o'clock in the morning. And she started, you know, doing a nanny cam on her, kind of watching what she's doing. But basically, after she goes to bed, she gets up, she gets back on the phone. And yes, she was tracking. She was playing this little game. Mm-hmm. And then porn, porn things were popping up. Wow. And then the kid was look, looking at that. Didn't right. know what she was looking at. But mm-hmm. she was so addicted to that that, uh, you know, sometimes 
trackers are following what you're doing when it's late at night, and that's when they can plug in those ads, mm-hmm. and kid, kids can get them. So working, being obsessed about working, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, you know, will say, oh, you know, they, they're a workaholic. Well, it's a problem because they can't function or focus. But these people also worry about the product of the work they're getting out. And mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you'll see, you know, a lot of um, OCD pop up with them doing it over and, over and over again, trying to get that, you know, being a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, that could, That's a form of addictive uh, behavior. Exercising, over-exercising mm-hmm. is when you, you know, it's not a problem to go exercise, you know, an hour or two a day. You want to do 30 minutes to an hour, but if you do an hour or two a day, that's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have some people that are doing it every day, all day, where the work is the exercise. And I'm not necessarily talking about bodybuilders and things like that, but mm-hmm. they have an addictive side to them as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have professions where um, that addictive personality works for them. So maybe that's one of the things, but sometimes it's to the point of they're not taking care of their own health. Mm-hmm. So spiritual obsession um, not necessarily like, you know, being one with the universe, but being so obsessed with religion is that it comes to play in everything you speak about. If you see a person, um, eating something or drinking alcohol or just having a glass of wine or whatever, you've mm-hmm. got something to say and a plug you want to put in about how that's not good for you and mm-hmm. how that goes against the Bible and, um, really judging, judging right. people. I remember one time uh, Michelle and I went to the grocery store, not to interrupt your flow, but I, of course I already have. That's, that's the oddest <laughs> Southern thing to say, not to interrupt, but I am. Uh, but there was one time where Michelle and I went to the grocery store and I picked up a case of beer and got home and opened it up. And there was this little, little, whatever you want to call it, like a little tract or whatever. And it was telling me how, you know, I was going to hell because I bought beer and yeah. And that really pissed me off. I'm a Christian. I'm going to, I, and I don't abuse beer, but if I want to have beer or wine with my spaghetti, I will have that, you know? And, um, but well, that's when you have to, you have to say, praise God and then put it down. That's right. <laughs> because at least someone <laughs> is doing what they feel compelled to do and, and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that just, yeah. so it, it can be quite annoying and, and sometimes you have to pick your battles. And I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, across the whole board, but anyway, continue on with your list. I don't know why that just yeah. came to mind, but I thought I would share. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's a great example of what spiritual obsession is right. because, um, you know, yes, it's great to spread the word, but it doesn't mean you have to impose that on everyone else. However, I do think those little notes will find their home to the one person that mm-hmm. it was supposed to be right. for. I agree. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, and I always tell people about that's feedback for you. So use it. Think about it. Throw it away. In your case, throw it away. Right. Didn't apply. Right. Yeah. And that's one. Of, <laughs> yeah. That, that's one. You know, you can say that it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> right. 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 You're moving. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> That's good. So another one um, is pain seeking. And I want to be able to talk about each one of these in some kind of detail Mm -hmm. with the time that we have. But pain seeking, um, because some people are addicted to pain. Some people are Mm -hmm. addicted to arguing and fighting. They go from one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship. And they feel as though this is how people are expressing love to them. And so they learn Mm -hmm. to receive love this way. Mm -hmm. But the ones that I'm talking about, pain seeking, are the ones that are cutters, that are self harmers. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, there are some people that have been abused and traumatized, and they will self harm in order to deal with the internal emotional pain that they're dealing with, and they cause physical pain on themselves. Mm-hmm. But there are some people who just like the idea of pain. Mm-hmm. And these are people who like to get plastic surgery. 
Mm. They like to go under the knife. They're really in tune with the recovery. They don't want pain meds afterwards. No, don't give me wow. anything. I'm good. Wow. I'm good. And, you know, yep. another little subdivision on that, you have your active pain seekers who will um, mutilate themselves, for lack of a better term. And then you have your passive ones who want to find those dangerous situations where they get hurt and they don't have to necessarily mm -hmm. do it to themselves. It's just happenstance. You know, I just happen mm -hmm. to step out in front of that bus or whatever, you know. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a real deep uh, example, but okay. <laughs> but but it's true. They, yeah. they will they will um, you know get themselves hurt and let it be an accident. And people will say things like mm -hmm. they're very accident prone. They're always bumping into things. They're always falling into things. Mm -hmm. um, there are people just a caveat off of the uh, pain seekers. There are people who actually like to see bruises. Yeah. Um, and there's always something deeper underlying that. But there mm -hmm. are some people who just like to see bruises. It means that. I'm alive, you know, Right. Uh, I feel, um, and so they, they do have other things going on. And so I do want to say that a lot of these things, um, there really are some uh, impulse control behaviors going on mm -hmm. that, you know, leads them to this type of addictive behavior. So shopping is an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, people that are obsessed with shopping. And it's so interesting because when we talk about, you know, hitting in plain sight, right. Um, People say, oh, you know, I love to shop. I'm always at the mall. I always do this. Well, with things with online, you have people that are addicted to shopping that are not going to the malls. You don't see them out. Mm -hmm. and so you don't know what's going on with them. But they've got Amazon packages coming every day, mm -hmm. you know, and other department things just every single day there's something being de delivered. Mm -hmm. And all these things I want to, to um, talk about, I'm pretty sure there's tons more. Excuse me. They are really centered around uh, them wanting something else or needing something else. Mm -hmm. um, it's like you have um, uh, obsessed with a certain type of food. Uh, looks like they say, well, like uh, animals will eat grass or mm -hmm. eat things they're not supposed to eat, and mm -hmm. there's something missing. Like a disorder um, in children is pica. They like to eat non-food things. Then they're missing some type of vitamin or nutrient in their bodies. Mm. Uh, it's the same thing with people who have uh, uh, addictions. They are missing something mm -hmm. or lacking something in their lives that these addictions are fulfilling for them. Mm -hmm. They're actually not fulfilling, but they feel as though in the moment they are fulfilling for them. Right. It's just like a drug. It's just like alcohol. It, it's, you know, it's a high for the moment and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be a whole nother show, but there's a lot of remorse that comes with a lot of these addictions mm -hmm. that cause people to be very anxious. Um, so you see a lot of anxiety in people and very overwhelmed. And sometimes mm -hmm. you don't understand why they have so much anxiety is because they have some type of hidden addiction that they cannot control and mm -hmm. they're embarrassed about it. They can't tell anyone about it and they can't mm -hmm. stop. And, you know, so, that ties right back into um, what you were saying with, you know, the religious or spiritual obsession. So many of these people, um, like there's a good friend of mine who suffers from depression. He's also a pastor and he keeps that in the closet and he wears this mask all the time because, you know, he's afraid of the judgment of the church because, oh my gosh, you're depressed. You, uh, God should make you happy all the time. All this other just insanity. It, it's just wrong thinking. But it's amazing how much, um, like you say, fear of being found out uh, makes these mm -hmm. makes people anxious, and they have no one to talk to about it, or very few people. And and it would be nice. Mm -hmm. I, I I appreciate. I think it's in is it February or March? It's uh, National Mental Health Week or Day or something like that. Um, I think 
March. But it's it, I always applaud the people who will step up and say, hey, um, I have these issues. I'm dealing with it. I'm seeing a professional therapist. I'm, um, I'm, you know, dealing with it, however, but for these people to stand up and say, Hey, you're not alone. I deal with this. And then somebody else will step up and say, wow, you know what? Um, I don't have the anxieties, but I have depression. I never want to leave the house. And and it's just, it, to me, that's like any group, any, you know, like whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or any whatever, it's, it's support and it lets people know they're not alone. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's something that we need greatly is for people to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned um, depression. Mm-hmm. National Mental Health Day is in October. Ah, Just look it up. Well, This year it's uh, 10 October. So right. I haven't had it yet. So there you go. Um, <laughs> well, we need to um, do something and, and, big for that that show then. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, um, that is definitely a depression, um, anxiety and depression uh episode it focused a lot on uh suicide mm-hmm. prevention mm, and so yeah. that would be a that would be a good one so yeah that's a that's a really good idea but it's true it's like um people when we you know come to things about depression so we'll move mm-hmm. from that but we have those types of situations and people have anxiety and depression uh the fear is that i'm going to be found out and then what people what are people going to think of me because they're in such a um a status you know, in mm-hmm. the community or in society, um, mm-hmm. like when you, you know, going back to our topic, like when you gave the example of the politician, look what he's doing. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, he's a you know, politician and here he is stumbling down drunk. I mean, there's right. nothing like the news saying, you know, Senator so-and-so, so-and-so got caught with a DUI, you know, right. so I mean, everybody wants to know that. But that's what the, the problem is. This person could not reach out and ask for help, not mm-hmm. knowing the ramification of just, you know, holding on to his obsession with. You know, drugs and alcohol, or mm, just yeah. living life on the edge. Uh, what was going to happen if he got caught? So, mm-hmm. but but moving away from from that, it's the same thing. A person who is an obsessive uh, gambler, um, obsessed with food, mm-hmm. sex, porn, all those things are things that are embarrassing if they were to get on the front page of the newspaper. Right. Um, and I remember my gram mom used to say, "Don't do anything you don't want on the front page of the newspaper," and that just meant don't do anything because right. like. Any, anything on the front page of the newspaper about you that's not a good thing, like getting an award or a celebration, is going to be very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we have to be mindful of that. But those things, that that thought, that mentality keeps people from, um, you know, reaching out for help. And then mm-hmm. um, you have a lot of people that um, project their thoughts onto other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember before it was um, you know, more accepted for people to be gay, a lot of people would have homophobia and they would just lash out towards mm-hmm. you know, gays and the way they dress and the way they talk and just right. anything they could get that they could pick on. Mm-hmm. I remember being in a group with an individual who said that um, he was a bully um, to um, homosexuals and it was because he was a homosexual and his biggest thing was that he knew um, that they were being accepted by their family members so they were out and he was not going to be accepted so he couldn't come out and mm-hmm. it was a very big jealousy mm-hmm. that he seemed to be so obsessed with homosexuality that mm-hmm. people start to say, are you homosexual? Mm-hmm. Like, why, why is that such a problem? Like nobody's talking to you. Nobody's bothering you. It doesn't impact you at all, but it impacts him greatly. And so when you have someone that's obsessed mm-hmm. with something else, do you have to ask yourself, where does this obsession come from? Mm-hmm. Do you have so much disdain for this individual or these group of people that you have to talk about it in everything that you do. Mm. Well, 
you know, he admitted, no, it's my own inability to um, be able to come out to my family and to be accepted. So I'm actually jealous of what they're doing mm. and, and developed an unhealthy obsession to the point that they were too embarrassed to come out when it was okay. Right. It, it seemed like his family would accept him. Then he was too embarrassed because of everything that he had said mm-hmm. and done. So, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a big fear um, about just being able to be yourself and um, it's the inability to be able to, to really focus on the things that are bothering you. Mm-hmm. Um, things that you're you know pushing down inside the obsessions and the compulsions that come from someplace very deep within us uh, where we can't even, we can't even one, we can't talk about things that are bothering us or two, we can't address it or three, we haven't even identified it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think if people could, realize that there's something else deeper going on that maybe they can talk about the things they're obsessing over to you know have someone be able to help them figure out like why they're obsessing over it and that's how you deal with it and that's how you're able to to get through it is mm-hmm. that you have to you have to address it head on and figure out what is it that you're actually lacking because a person that is a shopaholic is not lacking in clothes or <laughs> right items or you know whatever they're right shopping over you know mm-hmm. um they might be, um, you know, just pushing something else deeper, uh, just really down. And then that keeps them, you know, on a high mm-hmm. and not focusing on the real issue mm-hmm. that they are struggling with. So, well, you think about, you know, it depends on what your circle is like, the people that you mm-hmm. see every day, whether at work or uh, in your personal life. But I think for some, that compulsion to buy, and it's, it's often excused with this, you know, hey, it was 50% off. How could I say no? Well, your mm-hmm. bank account was saying no, but you went ahead and bought it anyway. Mm-hmm. But when you wear something new and you go to work or you go to the mall or whatever and someone says, wow, that shirt looks amazing on you, um, you know, because – I've, I've, and I even did this test at my old workplace where I wore the same shirt a couple of days in a row and no one noticed because it was an older shirt that they had seen me in repeatedly. You know what I mean? But the fact that I wore it two days in a row and no one caught on. But yet, if you wear a new shirt, then it's like, wow, I've never seen you in that. That looks amazing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people enjoy that uh, ego stroking. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, shopaholics, just like drug addicts, mm-hmm. um, any other addictive personality, they, they're doing it to get high. Mm-hmm. Um, their emotional high, their psychological high, it just, you know, they need to pick me up or they're feeling down or, right. um, you know, they, they need to get that. But, you know, I, one thing that I want to make sure that we are able to, uh, cover is for people who have, uh, addictive behaviors to be able to know when, when it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have some people say, oh, you know, I just, you know, uh, want to buy something or I just want want to look nice mm-hmm. or tell themselves, oh, I like when people give me positive feedback. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're a shopaholic, as they as they call it, um, when holidays you spend more money that you're making, when you're taking your credit card way over budget, if you're going to buy something, a piece of article, clothing, or mm-hmm. piece of furniture, or whatever, and you're using more than one credit card to get that mm-hmm. that item, mm-hmm. um, when you have things in your closet, still have tags on them, um, <laughs> when you have things in your closet that are not even your size, when you have that one blue shirt that you really, really love, but you also have it in red and purple and green and orange. <laughs> yeah. um, 
and you say, well, you know, it's on a, it was buy two, get one free. Right. Thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so I did that. Uh, when you have uh, the same outfit in a couple different sizes, because you may lose or gain weight and you want to make sure you can still wear that outfit. Right. Um, you know, these are some, some serious signs when you can't pay your bills, when you can't pay your mortgage, when mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to, I'm going to have the water bill be late because that's my smallest bill. So I can go ahead and <laughs> right. Get this, you know, when you get this item, you right. know, uh, and they start, you know, piling up, then, you know, you start, your credit rating is going down. I was watching a commercial the other day and the lady said, oh, my last boyfriend's credit rating was a negative seven, but it wasn't a problem. That was so, hilarious. Yeah. 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 Rebel <laughs> Wilson. That's yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. funny. <laughs> so I love her. But when you, you know. When you when you're getting in those situations, you mm-hmm. have to be able to say to yourself, because those are things that other people cannot see. And so you can't wait till someone says, I think you might have a problem. Right. You have to be able to recognize the signs and symptoms for yourself, the things mm-hmm. that other people can't see to determine whether or not you have a problem. And then you have to seek help. You do. That doesn't mean talking to your friend who also shops with you, who is going to say things like, girl, I get it. I understand. I mean, just the other day, I used three credit cards to get that that blouse that you like. You know, the one I let you borrow, and I got the other one. I got two in the same color, so it's okay. You don't want to get someone who is going to agree with your process. You mm-hmm. also don't want to get someone who's extremely frugal who's going to just you know think that you you're ridiculous and you don't need to do all that because they make their own clothes. So you have to right. find someone who really is you know trained and qualified to be able to help you to help you determine whether or not this is. Uh, and addiction, and then to help you through that. Because in the end, not only, and this is just about shopping, not only are you going to need help working through the addiction and then mm-hmm. identifying what's, cause, what's causing it, you're going to need a financial planner to help you get everything else back on track. Mm-hmm. And so now what are you doing? You're spending more money and more time um, just to just to keep yourself you know, on, on track to get back to where you need to be. But mm-hmm. So I want to make sure... You know, when we, you know, as we talk about these, that we are able to identify for ourselves uh, symptoms, because mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we always point out is that if you think a person has an addiction and you say, hey, you know, I think maybe you might be a shopaholic or I think that maybe you might be addicted to this, addicted to that. If they deny it, um, we would always say, oh, well, denial is the first sign that there could be a problem. <laughs> right. But, however. There are people who say, no, I don't. And it's because they don't, you know, so you can't, I don't want to use the example of if someone said to you, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. You should look at, you should, you know, um, you know, kind of reflect on your behavior and so forth and maybe what they've seen. But at the same time, don't take the first denial as being, Ooh, that means right. you really are, you know, well, that um, almost so, goes right back to the little message that I found in my case of beer. You know, exactly. it didn't apply. It didn't yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know, too. there was, um, I was trying to make a note and my keyboard went dead cause it's rechargeable. But, um, one thing I wanted to, you know, bring out is that, you know, sometimes there's something positive and healthy that then gets detached to something very negative. And mm-hmm. then therefore it kind of, even though that is the, the positive outcome, the, the trek there becomes negative. And uh, mm-hmm. we're, Michelle and I were watching an HBO show called Big Little Lies and mm-hmm. which very well written. And Michelle didn't think I would like it just because it's about a group of women and then their husbands are more or less the secondary characters. But I, I thought it was really well done. But one of the issues that was going on in the, in the story was there was one 
wife who had a very abusive husband and they, I mean, like he would beat her and then they would have amazing sex. So she longed for that sex and, but she knew what she had to go through to get it is be abused. And so then she started seeking therapy to try to get that worked out so that the abuse didn't have to happen, um, you know, to prompt the amazing sex. But, you know, so yeah, I, I think this is another example of why you need someone who is a, you know, an actual therapist to help you unravel this, this mess. It's like uh, the spaghetti wires of all the, uh, you know, the gear hooked up to your TV, you have your Blu-ray, your game system and all that. And I don't understand how, what magic goes on behind this cabinet that I've neatly organized. But within a year, especially with kids in the house, it's all tangled up and you can't find, it's hard to even trace the wires. And that's why you need a professional to help you say, okay, let's unplug this. This is safe to unplug and let's go through all these. Good analogy. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I like that. You might have to, you might, if you ever, ever hear that again, to say, okay, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's excellent. You're right. Because that's exactly what you have to do. Like mm-hmm. some things can be so simple, difficult to do, but, mm-hmm. but simple to actually, you know, be, to explain so you can understand what it is you have to do. But yeah, you're right. Unplug some things and untangle it and then put it back where it's supposed to be. Right. So right. not saying that it shouldn't be there. It should. It's just mm-hmm. so, you know, tangled in with everything else that you know, just a a big mess right now. Right. And, you know, there's the other example where the football coach says to the team, don't fumble. And -hmm. that's his command. And they go out Mm -hmm. on the field and all they think of is fumble. And they Mm -hmm. are so worried about fumbling that they fumble over and over and over again. And I think sometimes as you're trying to stop an addictive behavior on your own, and you are trying not to focus on it so hard that all you can do is focus on it. And I think that also helps, you know, that it kind of trips people up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good. So another one I wanted to, that stuck out for me was was work, workaholics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's I, another thing that is lauded highly. You know, mm-hmm. oh, this guy puts in fifty to sixty hours a week, and he makes three hundred thousand dollars, or he makes a million dollars, and what a what a great guy, putting his family first, and you know, there, but there's a there needs to be balance, and I, so I think that's exactly. that's one of those things. that's kind of like, oh well, I bought these uh, the fifteen suits because it was buy one get one, and it was too good a deal to pass up. So I think you know, there's that's another example of something that is so easily excused. I work hard. I I play hard. Whatever you know, and it, but it's mm-hmm. that excuse of being a workaholic. Yeah, that um, you you know, exactly on point. It's a person that lacks work life balance. Mm-hmm. That's your that's your workaholic. It's the person that retires today and dies tomorrow. Right. It's the person that nobody ever identifies him as a workaholic until he's dead, and they say he worked himself to death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a person who people will often say he always puts his family first. Mm-hmm. He's a great provider. They never see him because he's right. always working. And he is not necessarily, at some point, he is not necessarily working for, um, you know, the money or to provide to his family. He just can't do anything but mm-hmm. work. They don't, he doesn't go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, often when he gets health problems, when he goes to the hospital, he's down, he's down hard. Mm-hmm. And it takes quite a while to get back into it. And sometimes people are not able to get back into it. But what they don't understand is that 
being being stressed and having that anxiety and being work they became addicted to like the 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 rush of wanting to do things get that adrenaline flowing and pumping Mm -hmm. people are saying they need something from they desire something from them and they feel important you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. and not the same importance of going home and seeing that you know you have a nice home and you have food on the table and your family's there waiting for you and they love you but these people you know marriage is often in in divorce Mm -hmm. Uh, often end up you know very much away from them. I tell you what occupation I see workaholics in that we often overlook, and mm-hmm. that is the minister's family. Mm-hmm. You are 100% Ministers, right. They eat, sleep, pray mm-hmm. 24 hours a day about you know their faith and it's all about recruiting and getting people in the church and bringing people to the Lord. And it has a powerful theme behind it. But if everyone else in his family or her family is not a workaholic towards that spiritual mm-hmm. uh, belief and that recruitment, then you're going to have the minister's wife and the minister's kids are going to be, you know, uh, disconnected. The children mm-hmm. may be, you know, you always says, you know, preacher's kid. Like my son was, my, my husband was a preacher's kid and mm-hmm. they some of the preacher's kids are like the worst kids. And it's not that they're bad kids at all, but they don't have a, a person there to guide them because that person, their father or their mom, they're gone. They're, right. they're helping everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that minister's family has to look and act a certain way, you know, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, no matter, no matter what, right. So you right. Look at that's, that's the minister's wife. But those are the minister's kids. And they're usually sitting there very quietly, not doing anything because they're basically scared to move exactly but, um, yeah you know because everything they do is reflection on on you know the minister mm-hmm. and so but you often see them they're they're workaholics because in the beginning they like oh we have to be in order to recruit in order to get you know the church church is a business mm-hmm. to uh, a great many people whether we want to admit it or not right it's a business um and so you have to work at it and keep people in the church and keep people coming to the church um and you know getting them excited about the lord i mean that's something that we want to do but the minister themselves, and I'm talking about ministers, priests, like whatever you want to call the mm-hmm. leader of your church, that person is very much prone to becoming a workaholic. That person mm-hmm. very much lacks work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person's family very much gets neglected. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I think, too, with um, – because I think one of the stats with the pastor uh, scenario is that – 35% of pastors suffer from depression and mm-hmm. I forget the suicide rate is very high as well. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, and when you are constantly under the scrutiny and you can't take sides, but you have to take sides. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be there for your family, but you have to be there for your family. It, it's, that's gotta be one of the worst jobs short of the presidency. Um, you know, just as far as that kind of high stress scenario. Right. But mm-hmm. I know that, you know, for me, when I was directing more feature films, there was, and I had to deal with this on a daily basis, or especially once the movie wrapped, I would come home and, you know, when I'm on the set and I'm wearing the director's hat, people do what I ask them to do. 
And it's not a dictatorship, it's a team effort, but yet I am the leader and it's on my head and on my shoulders to make sure that we meet deadlines and, and you know, have wise production days. And I'd go home and, you know, my kids and the dog and my wife and, you know, everybody's just, ah, it's good to see you, dad, we missed you or whatever. And, but they're not going to listen to me with the same attentiveness that I get on the set. And so I would get mm-hmm. frustrated and I had to, I had to keep reminding myself, you're not yes. the director mm-hmm. here, you're dad. You're, you mm-hmm. don't have to be the sheriff. You can just enjoy your family and just relax, enjoy this moment, and then you're back to work the next day or the decompression period after a movie. You know, it would take me easily a week just to kind of catch up on my sleep and relax and hang out with the kids, but I would still, you know, I'd have to fight that compulsion to know this is the way it's going to be because it's a totally different dynamic. But, you know, it's, it's, it's like living two lives. It's a duality that's tough to balance mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, very um, difficult sometimes to identify yourself. But once you do, it just opens up a whole new mm-hmm. world. It doesn't work for everyone. Sometimes a person with, uh, that's a workaholic, they can find a spouse that's compatible with them. And then mm-hmm. they have children that develop personalities that's compatible with them. But every now and then, um, you don't. You don't find that person that understands. And mm-hmm. sometimes you have that that spouse who is basically waiting for you to retire, waiting for you to stop working, so mm-hmm. that life can be simple and normal. It's like I love you so much. I'm going to endure this to the end, right. and then we're going to be good to go. Mm-hmm. And I know in the in the military, it's like. Um, you know, you're supposed to deploy so many years and we have spouses who say, I understand this is what I signed up for. My husband or my wife is, you know, they're Marine. I go Marine Corps because I was Marine, but whatever branch of service, I understand. Mm-hmm. So they're gone. Um, and then they're waiting and waiting and waiting for their spouses to retire, you know, mm-hmm. retire in 20, 20 years and we can just enjoy life. However, um, their spouses continue to either work, they stay in longer, you know, because mm-hmm. you can do 30 years, you can retire in 20, but you can stay in for 30. Um, or they retire and then they go and do something similar and they're still gone. And those mm-hmm. relationships usually end in divorce when people realize they're not going to stop. Mm-hmm. This isn't just because they were, you know, um, in the military. This is this is who they are. And I am not the priority. You hear that a lot of time with spousal wives going or husbands, you know, I am not the priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the active duty member going, you are my priority. This is, this is what I do. I do everything for you, but they're not doing it for their spouses. They're doing it for themselves. Right. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from that because I was, a uh, active duty Marine as well as a you know mm-hmm. spouse, you know, after, um, but at the same time, it, it you, you, you know, Military people, you've got to admit that a lot of it is for you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Well, you know, that a lot was, of it is, is, you know, yeah, if all you're the, adrenaline, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing like not having, a, you know, having a home and having a, a family, and, but there's nothing like, you know, having it there and everything is okay mm-hmm. and you come home to that and that's great, but you can go out and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times even, you know, just going on your missions or doing different things, whatever, it's, some of it is fun too, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we have to admit that, you know, 50% is for the family because I can provide for them and that's great and they're fine and they're happy and I'm happy that they're happy. But when I'm out there and doing my thing, I too am having, you know, an enjoyable time. Oh, definitely. So, and I think yeah. too, and maybe this is, you know, uh, <laughs> an epidemic of the way we all think. Uh, but when mm-hmm. I know it, at the times where I was really pushing to do more movies and, and which would take a lot of my time away from the family. 
both pre-production and production as well as post. And I always thought as though I was Thor, I'll make up for it later. This is, I'm putting the time in now so that I'll have the time later. And kids don't stop growing up. They're not like replicants. They're not like robots that you can just, you know, pull the battery, put them on the shelf. I'll start them up later. And then before long, your kids are graduating from high school and college and you're still working the same hours and you haven't Mm -hmm. been able to enjoy them. And I, you know, that's part of, um, you know, some of my regrets. I have had great years doing movies and entertainment but on the other hand, I regret the time that I didn't spend with the family. And so I, I wish now that I'd had more, you know, like more balance in my life. And so I try to live that way now. And I try to keep that balance. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So another one, mm-hmm. I, I want to do, make sure we cover some of these. I know we won't be able to cover all of them in, right. um, in detail. So, but some that sticks out for me. Mm-hmm. So I want to we'll go on and talk a little bit about, um, and, and the reason is, is I put a lot of information when we were doing a, the ad or marketing or whatever, nice. and I listed some there. And I would like people, if they come to listen, to be able mm-hmm. to listen to and hear the one that they came to listen for. Right. More detail. Um, <laughs> so another one I want to talk about was internet addiction. That's another one that stands out for me. Mm-hmm. I know you have a lot to say about that. But and so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so some of the uh, behaviors is compulsive use of the internet. I already gave, you know, one example about mm-hmm. um, when your phone is on a charger, then you got to go someplace else. You have to be plugged in, right? Right. Uh, being preoccupied with being online and constantly talking about what you saw, what you read, mm-hmm. what you heard about online. Like, you know, um, you know, and, and the, the a regular television or the news or whatever, it's not exactly the same thing as right. being online for internet, internet addiction, but mm-hmm. adding one to the list, watching the news is another addiction. So right. that is, you know, that's another, you can become obsessed with that. You've got to be there with Rachel Maddow every night, nine o'clock. In the <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so lying and um, hiding the extent of mm-hmm. your online behavior. This does not lean i'm not talking about when you're addicted to porn or right. or sex sites or anything i'm just talking about you don't even want anyone to know how long you've been online mm-hmm. like you could be um searching the web you could just be reading various things you could be just looking at facebook and mm-hmm. instagram and looking at pinterest but just being online and not wanting people to know because mm-hmm. if you have 24 hours in a day and you work say eight hours in a day and you sleep, say five days, you know, five hours in a day and you spend about 15 hours online. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's time that you're not connecting with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, regular people. And then when someone says, would you like to go out to dinner? Or would you like to go to a baseball game or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be? And you say, ah, oh, you know, I don't know because it's something you want to look at online. It's not <laughs> anything in particular. Right. You just want to be plugged in. Right. And you know, this, this, this is, oh, go ahead. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. I was going to just add that the name of the game, and this makes me sometimes feel guilty because I've done my Mm -hmm. job well when I'm designing websites or designing content for the internet, it is all Mm -hmm. designed to lead you from one thing to the next, to the next. If you have a website that is so all encompassing that you can just go there and click on one article and, Hey, this leads to three more. I want to read this one. And it leads to another. And then I've I've held your attention for an hour to two hours. I have so right. done my job, but I so feel guilty because that's also taken 
I feel like it's a bad drug. It is it is like cigarette smoking and you are decreasing someone's life because you have stolen from them. But mm -hmm. I was paid to to work on that side of the track and to entertain. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that um when you when you talk about that because that's work. Mm -hmm. The like I said like the clickbait and always having oh, the yeah. ads and stuff. Yeah. Like another symptom would be like when we're talking about the baseball games, whatever people invite you to go places, let's mm -hmm. say you decide to go mm -hmm. and then everything's going fine. But then when 15 minutes being there, you're going, Oh my goodness. Are you kidding? There's no Wi-Fi here. I right. can't get online. I gotta go. <laughs> I can't be here. It's time for me to go. I, yeah. Like you want me to watch this game and there's no Wi-Fi. Like right. really? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, if you go to any Cracker Barrel, there's no Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And I remember mm -hmm. asking them one time and I was by myself. So, I mean, you know, it, it was legitimate. But I said, you know, why is there no Wi-Fi? And this was back when you had to pay for the data that you used and there was a limit and stuff like that. And so I wanted to use their Wi-Fi and they were like, no, we, we want you to talk to people. And, you know, which is good. And But I think people forget about that interaction, which leads me back to a question I had earlier. Um, how much depression do you feel like comes from these kids who do nothing but look up stuff on the internet so that, you know, they, it's not just what maybe they need for school or, Hey, I'm interested in building my own BMX bike. Um, it goes okay. beyond. It's just like any question they have, they research it. And so it goes beyond what they should be knowing back when we were raising the, our youngest kids, we could kind of say, okay, I mean, because the internet really wasn't there, not prominently as mm -hmm. it is today. But, mm -hmm. you know, you could kind of, and it's certainly when we were growing up, um, you know, you found out about the news by, you know, it was usually my dad sitting there wanting to watch it during dinner. And so I would pick up on little world events or whatever. But I mean, there were specific times that you would, you know, like, hey, the weather usually happens at 615. That's when they give the weather, let's tune in and then turn the TV off. And, but we weren't, I mean, like we understood it was a limited stream. It's like, you know, uh, the one time during the week that you can go get coffee or something, but now mm -hmm. they can not only find out what they, you know, about the weather and whatever, but then they can find out about all these things that are beyond their years. They don't need to know about some of the atrocities that go on around the world. They don't need to know more about sex and all the dysfunctions of sex and porn. And it just, takes them so far beyond to the point where there's, to me, there's no wonder. I mean, like I, I used to use my imagination a lot. I had fun as a kid and, um, and that was what got me into writing and making movies and doing stop action and, and building things, whether it was models or whether it was things out of clay that just were in my head. But I just feel like today, anything that you want to see, you don't have to travel there. You just click it. Mm -hmm. It's in your browser window. Hey, I want to see the Grand Canyon. Yeah, there it is. Okay, whatever. It's a hole in the ground. Versus going there and seeing the majestic view of what is the Grand Canyon, you know, or going uh, over to Paris or going to England and seeing some of these huge landmarks. People just see it online and they forget. I know at one point I was working so much that I was so focused on the screen. I was doing a lot of video editing for a project. And I noticed that I was ignoring my peripheral vision. So I mm -hmm. literally went out on the porch and would not look around. I forced myself to see things through my peripheral vision to remind myself that the world is oh. not a screen. It is, right. it's, God gave us amazing eyes and we should utilize mm -hmm. every aspect of them.
Exactly. So in response to your question, mm-hmm. um, does the internet lead to depression? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's twofold. Mm-hmm. I think that we have people that have depressive tendencies that are more drawn to the internet. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a link between depression and the internet, mm-hmm. but which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> I think it's up, it's up for discussion. Right. Uh, we do find people that use the internet a lot have depress- depressive tendencies. We just don't know which one is first. Now we're talking about research and percentages and things like that. Right. So there are a high number of people who use the internet excessively, who have an addiction to the internet, uh, who also have depressive tendencies. However, mm-hmm. People who are depressed often tend to seek some type of gratification outside of human interaction. And so they're there on the Internet. Um, so and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for uh, excitement. They're looking for something to take their mind off of things. They're looking for um, something different than what, what they have in their life they're experiencing. And sometimes they can, with their thoughts, live their lives vicariously through all these different things that they see. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they'll go and they'll see um uh, like we have some people who will post like horrible things all the time. Right. Well, that means my life is I'm sad and depressed. And my life is better than this person because this person just got hit by a train. <laughs> right. You know, and so right. and so they're you know some kind of kind of rationalize. However, to caveat what you you talked about mm-hmm. different things that people can see online. Then you get to see this person that has depressive tendencies, and then they're online and they're watching all of these things play out in other people's lives and all the fantastic and wonderful things that they're, they're doing and they do lose um, contact with reality. And then they start for children exposing themselves to things and some adults too, that they're not um, like they don't understand. Um, like a person who has depressive or suicidal tendencies, constantly watching the news and on the news is about people and kids committing suicide. Mm-hmm. And then they get these thoughts in their heads that, Maybe this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I'm, you know, supposed to be looking mm. for. The universe is in line with me and telling me this is where I should be. And so, not being able to discern what is and is not appropriate or good or healthy mm. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you have to monitor kids and teenagers mm-hmm. online. Well, and really, um, even adults. And I find it interesting that yeah. the uh, I think it was the Apple operating system update sometime this year. I can't remember exactly when, but uh, one of the features is it will show you how much time you spend on the phone and various, not just, it used to be just battery use, but now you can limit the amount of time you spend with Safari or, or, you know, with your browser or, you know, just for health reasons, how many, you know, and so it's interesting that a device that is absolutely the gateway, the easy gateway, because it's always in your pocket, um, to Mm -hmm. addictions of all kinds, um, so many of which we've touched on today, but, um, you know, that they would also say, hey, but maybe you need to limit it. And I think it's also funny on a side note that the new operating system for the Apple Watch, which comes out, I think it's next month, um, actually has a feature where if you start listening to something too loud, then it will tell you it's going beyond the decibels. You will have hearing loss if you continue. So it's just interesting that Apple wants to now, after after being a gateway to, to stuff good and bad. Now it's like, hey, we love you. Watch out for your hearing. Um, don't spend mm-hmm. so much time online. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's, um, I don't know, that just reminds me of when the, the um, you know, nicotine, 
you know, it was bad and everybody right. knew it was bad. But finally, when people, you know, started getting cancer and dying, then, mm-hmm. then they were sued. And like, we've got to put this little disclaimer at the right. very small print at the bottom of our cigarette package. You know, right, so you right. Do that. And now, you know, um, it's, which, uh, it's that is also vaping. going on to vaping. Yeah, because there was a uh, death and now they're looking into it and saying, wow, you know what? Maybe this isn't so good to put a foreign, um, inhale this foreign component into your lungs. So, I know yeah. I was um, talking to someone the other day and it's about the new ad for vaping is like mm-hmm. vaping is not as bad as cigarette smoking <laughs> because you can die sooner. <laughs> right. You can lose your lungs. Right. Right. Like, right. You know, it's, so it's not as bad. It's not going to take forever. <laughs> right. To see the right. And <laughs> when we first came out with vaping and I said, I use the term read loosely because I don't smoke or vapor or anything right. else. Right. Um, it was like, h- how soon you know, how long is it going to take for us to realize mm-hmm. that these are foreign substances that we're putting into our bodies that are not supposed to be there? And now mm-hmm. we've got a direct, a direct line, you know. And I, um, one parent, 13-year-old vapes, she said, I, I'd rather him do that than smoke. Really? <laughs> right. Have you done Have you done your research about that? Like, right. do you know how that's going to hurt your kid? Like, right. in my, and at the time, I wasn't even thinking about lungs. I was just thinking about what is this doing to his young developing mind yeah. that now he's not able to function or he's more relaxed, like mm-hmm. too relaxed? You know, there's a certain way our body works that when you put foreign things into them, mm-hmm. then they're not going to work the same way. But, you know, that's a that's another one of those things that are very uh, addictive. There's a lot of things that can be, um, mm-hmm. if not anything, and everything can be addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be mindful of it. But that is something definitely um that's a problem vaping hasn't been around at least to us here that long for Mm -hmm. it to have these the ramifications that they're that it's having and then unlike cigarette smoke we don't know that if you stop smoking for a while you can reverse the damage to your lungs but what happens with vaping if Mm -hmm. you stop vaping for a while is it going to reverse the damage or you're just gonna you're just gonna lose a lung Mm -hmm. i mean you know i mean it's it's um it's it's the unknown territory, and we are so into as a as a society wanting to get something different, wanting to feel different, mm-hmm. um, and not really understanding why we want to do that, you know. Um, and we get into these things that are really really detrimental mm-hmm. to us. Well, instead of teaching so. know thyself, we mm-hmm. we preach uh, you know please yourself, which then mm-hmm. forms all these addictions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, two more at least, but okay. one more I don't want to don't want to lose out, and that is food. Mm-hmm. Which you know was interesting, and I should have gone with it, but I I did not want to get in your way because I want to be sure all your topics get hit. But when we were talking about vaping, and we don't know what's in there, you know, and yeah. and it's oh, but it's cherry flavored. But what chemicals are making them cherry flavored? I exactly. absolutely love salt and vinegar chips. Now, Mm -hmm. some salt and vinegar potato chips are simply that, you know, but then others, they use chemicals to deliver that same flavor. And that's the name of the game with too many. And you think about cereals for kids in particular, and it's like, oh, this tastes like Reese, whatever cups. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but how does it? Because more than likely there are chemicals that are okay, and I do that in the invisible air quotes Mm -hmm. that no one Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast can see. But, you know, I mean, how much are we eating to please ourselves 
and we're putting chemicals into our body that we're not even aware of. Too many things, you know, if you flip the package over and look at all the ingredients, unless it's, you know, like you remember back uh, years ago when you could get ice cream and there were so many ingredients that if you were to read it, you probably wouldn't even want to eat the ice cream. And then you had your brands that were, you know, cream and, and sugar and whatever. And, you know, it just seemed healthier or at least the three ingredients that you could recognize they weren't going to kill you. So why not? But yeah, but anyway, I, I just, I, I find myself whenever I'm, you know, tempted to eat anything, I will think about what the ingredients are. And it's not like I'm, you know, a, a freak about it. But on the other hand, I, I do believe our bodies are our temple and we need to look after them. And I don't want to put toxins in that, that I don't even know if they're FDA approved because they snuck in, you know? Yep, I know. I had a, a holistic nutritionist tell me once, um, if you flip over the back of the package and you find words that you cannot pronounce, mm-hmm. don't eat it. Mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> not good for you. It's just a, a big word to make you think that, oh, that must be good for me because I, I right. can't even pronounce that. It must be something healthy. Right. Um, and you know, back so, years yeah. ago, there you could look out for high fructose corn syrup. And mm-hmm. they changed that to some other name just because they didn't want to stop using it and things. And, you know, and too many people, and I'll admit there are probably some products that don't taste as good today because they don't have as much sodium as I remember as a kid or whatever, you know, but we all do need to be healthier. And, and you know, instead of just, again, pleasing ourselves, we need to look after ourselves. I know um, it's going to be my I moved to food, but mm-hmm. um, yesterday I made some potatoes and sliced them very thin. Mm-hmm. And my family's like, these are really good. They taste like uh, salt and pepper potato chips, but they mm-hmm. taste better. What's in them? Organic potatoes and salt <laughs> and pepper. <laughs> that is all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so that, they, that's why they, they taste it better. But I've had other people who I've said, you know, we have excess of tomatoes or excess of cucumbers are given to them. And they go, oh, you know, these are healthy size, but I'm just used to them being bigger in the store. Like, mm-hmm. really? Those are organic. How do they make them bigger in the store? <laughs> what are they doing to them? Yeah. Yes. And my tomatoes last five to seven days. Why do your tomatoes lasting 10 to 15 days? Right. Why is that? Why is that tomatoes lasting so long? And why are you have to put it in the fridge? Like you don't have to put it in the fridge. Well, it stays long, preserve it longer. I know, but it grows in a greenhouse. Mm-hmm. It's pretty warm out there. Mm-hmm. And so you should be able to pick it and keep it pretty warm. Now I too, you know, after a while, especially if I get it from the grocery store, we'll put it in the fridge. But it's something that makes it preserve that long. It's not supposed to be that long. Mm-hmm. It's a reason they call it fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. If you're eating fresh fruits and vegetables 10 days later, guess what? They're not fresh anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're eating preservatives. You're eating something that makes it last that long. Mm-hmm. Vegetables, fruits and vegetables are made to be eaten within the first three days. Mm-hmm. So I will go out every three days and pick something, but we like it fresh out of the garden. But that's uh, so I am obsessed with health with healthy fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to admit that. You know, <laughs> but that's that is, good. That's my obsession, you know. Yeah. But um, but so you have to you have to be able to do what what you need to do. And you have to be mindful about what you're putting in your in your body, mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with weight or anything. It's just about um, <clears throat> eating as healthy as you as you can mm-hmm. and not consuming. Things that you, if you knew what it was, you wouldn't eat it. Right. Well, and two, I think, you know, for the efficiency of our bodies, and this was something I used to teach in an acting class that I used to uh, teach, I don't know, a couple of times a year, is just, you know, again, 
know yourself. And we see so much, you know, information about gluten and, you know, and I know the people who are gluten intolerant and I mean, like they're, they have abdominal pains and they are, and I don't mean worthless for the rest of the day, but I mean, if you're an actor and you have gluten and you have that kind of reaction, you're not going to be in any scenes. We're going to have to reschedule things. Um, but mm -hmm. also, you know, you look at the way sugars affect people, alcohol affects people. If you know yourself, you know what you can and cannot eat. Even down to there was this one actor um, in one of the first movies I ever produced. And this guy was very lean skateboarder. And he I, I, I guess he just didn't eat a lot on his own. Right. And then um, being on set for I think it was six weeks. He started eating more and more so that by the end of the shoot, um, you know, we had to make sure that all the angles were right to try to hide his belly because this dude had eaten a lot. So, but I mean, you know, there's some people yeah. who can eat specific things and never gain any weight. Others can't. Sometimes if I have too much salt, I, it is like caffeine to me. And so I have to watch mm -hmm. that and, uh, because I, and I need to sleep at night. So yeah. It, and so in, then I guess, you know, going back to, you know, the whole addiction side, you know, there are certain, we refer to things as comfort food. And for whatever mm -hmm. reason, instead of comfort food being like, oh, some very healthy soup, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. that, that half a uh, cake that I'm going to eat in one mm -hmm. sitting or, <laughs> hey, that bag of chips. Hey, what happened to that bag of chips? I watched TV this afternoon and ate the whole thing in 30 minutes or less, mm -hmm. right? So. Yeah, or I was sad. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So I ate that bag of chips. Yeah. I still said, yeah, for some reason I still am. I, um, right. I need another bag. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So some, some signs and symptoms of food addiction. Mm -hmm. um, uh, overeating. Mm -hmm. Undereating. Mm -hmm. Secret eating. Shame about eating. Mm -hmm. uh, eating in silence. Um, craving for, for foods like ice cream and, and chocolate. Just craving mm -hmm. for it. Using food, like you said, for comfort food, but using it as a, as uh, a way to deal with all types of other emotions. Like when you're happy, you have chocolate. When you're sad, you have chocolate. Um, <laughs> when you're stressed, you have chocolate. When right. you're angry, you have chocolate. You know, just I got to have chocolate, you know, right. so having that. Um, but uh, another thing that I want to, to add in there is body image. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, whether we overeat or undereat, binge or mm -hmm. restrict, um, it is tied to our body image and how we feel mm -hmm. about what we look like. Um, and sometimes, because um, we have people who, who restrict food, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about eating disorders, mm -hmm. but we have people who res restrict food and it's not because they don't like food, it's because they love food. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying their own way to uh, not overeat, mm -hmm. not binge eat, uh, not, uh, uh, disturbed, like the way they look, they're like, you know, obsessed with their body image. So they mm -hmm. just don't put any food in there because they, some people think they eat a grape and, oh my God, now I've, I've got a, I got a belly, you know, I guess, I guess <laughs> right. a grape sitting right there, you know, and so to get obsessed with that, but um, a body image is a big thing when it comes to um, addictive behavior towards food. Um, mm -hmm. It is associated with, you know, what we look like and how we feel about what we look like, what we think other people um, feel about mm -hmm. what we look like and we get obsessed with that. And so that, you know, can end up being a bigger problem than just, um, being obsessed with food. Mm -hmm. in itself. So. And, you know, the thing that I, I think 
everybody has to a to a degree, and some of it is very extreme, is the way that our eyes and mind interprets what we see in the mirror and distorts it, so that. Um, you know, either we look better than we do, we look worse than we do. We, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, you know, it would be nice if there was a mirror that didn't lie. And if we had the acceptance of mind to be able to say, you know what, I love me regard, you know, and I'd like to be in better shape. Maybe I need to, you know, do more core exercises so that I am more walk more upright. So I don't deal with um, back issues when I'm old or whatever, you know what I mean? But to, mm-hmm. to be able to analyze it wisely instead of harshly. And because I'm, I'm sure we all do that, you know, I mean, like, whether it's a good hair day, bad hair day, whether it's a teenager that has this micro zit that no one else can see, but yet in their mind, it takes up half their face. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know there was a meme that came out for, um, well, older, older people were doing it based on, I guess, feelings that they had when they were younger, but it says, I wish I was the weight I was when I first thought I was overweight. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, as you get older, you realize that, you know, you're starting to get obsessed over some things that mm-hmm. you really shouldn't be obsessed over. Right. Um, so, so I have some, I have some questions I want people to be able to ask themselves when they start to wonder, uh, is it possible that I'm addicted to food or having you know, mm-hmm. some type of food addiction? It's like, um, if you find yourself uh, eating um, alone a lot, not because you don't have friends, or you don't want to socialize, mm-hmm. but you just rather eat alone. Like you can go out to a meal with family and friends and you're like, oh, I'll just have a salad or I'll just have a glass of water. I'm not hungry. But then you go home and you fix this really big meal. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so uh, and then do you have feelings of, of guilt or shame? Uh, you feel remorseful about the, you know, the amount of food that you ate or mm-hmm. that you ate in private. Um, if you're, if you're overweight and you know that your weight is associated with food, but you're constantly trying to see, you know, do I have a thyroid problem or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something else going on with me, you're trying to figure out something else going on and not realizing that it is like, you know, analyzing your food habits, mm-hmm. uh, the, have you tried to lose weight like repeatedly and mm-hmm. you've often, um, you know, gained it back, you lost weight, but you gained it back, mm-hmm. you're trying to control your eating, but that didn't work. Um, do you have, do you eat over emotions? Like, do you eat when you're happy? Do you eat when you're sad? Like, mm-hmm. are you using food as a way to either celebrate or, um, you know, deal with your struggles? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, do you often overeat to the point that, oh, my God, I can't believe I ate so much and you're stuck and you can't move. And mm-hmm. that happens sometimes, especially on the holidays. Uh, but are you, you know, does it happen to you throughout the year when there's no other you know, way to explain that you're, you know, eating? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know, those are some of the, the symptoms that you can look at for yourself to see if it's a possibility that you're addicted to food and using it for your emotions and places mm-hmm. And if I can interject one small thing, um, and this covers both the physical as well well as mental well-being, Um, if you, it's, uh, you know, everybody should go in for, uh, you know, like a physical, I think once a year. Um, Mm -hmm. But I find, and this is me too, um, I find that I will put it off when it's like, you know what, summer's coming. I'm going to be doing more work outside. I'm going to drop 10 pounds and then they won't get on to me about my weight, you know? Right. Um, and it's the same thing with mental issues as far as like, you know, if you have, um, and, and these are the things that are more, um, 
acceptable in society. Like, oh, well, he has a hot temper. Oh, well, you know, this person's that way. This person's that way. Um, you know, but you want to put things off until you're better. And that's not mm -hmm. necessarily healthy because what if, you know, like what you're you know describing with the food, let's go one layer deeper. And why do you exhibit these behaviors? So if you have, if you go to a therapist who can help you identify, well, this is why. So that then when you, to, to get out of the mess, to unkink those wires behind the TV, as we'd said earlier, um, you know, then, then it makes it easier. Otherwise you are blindfolded running around in the dark through the forest and it's tough to get out. And it's the same thing with your weight um, or going to see if, uh, you know, going for your physical, they may find something that, you know, just like you were saying, hey, you're having thyroid issues. So let's put you on these meds and then, you know, either that or you're not sleeping enough. So let's, you know, find a remedy for that. Let's, you know, try these different things. And or they may find that you have an issue and you need an operation. But when you when you remain in the closet, which I think is the theme for so many of our shows where you are um, you're, you want to remain in hiding because you don't feel comfortable coming out and saying, yes, you know, this is this is how I am. Uh, but you need to. You, and, and we applaud you for taking those steps and admitting that you have a problem and going and finding help, because that's that's the wise thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was so, my soapbox. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I like your soapbox at work. But um, yeah, you know, we just um, I think I think it's it goes back to um a lot of what you always say is like know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so sometimes we are, we are aware that there is an issue, but then we don't want to focus on it mm -hmm. because we think, well, we can handle ourselves. We don't want to. Right. Burden anyone else. We don't want to be judged and mm -hmm. we don't want to feel bad. Um, and that's not what it's about at mm -hmm. all. It's really about taking care of yourself. And like the example you gave about, uh, you know, wanting to be healthier when you go to the doctor is true. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be judged. Problem right. is that you might be sick. And so, you know, you mm -hmm. hear about people catching things that they sh you know, should have caught a while ago, but it's like, oh, you know, I've been suffering this pain for three years. And right. you're like, <laughs> <laughs> who does that like yeah oh i mean and, and and people take forever to just go and take care of themselves for fear what what the doctor's gonna say mm -hmm. uh, so yeah and then sometimes mm -hmm. you go to the doctor and the doctor says ah, great you look awesome see yeah. you next year you know yeah. and you found out that yeah. you you've been sweating it for so long for nothing you know yeah. for nothing. <laughs> you're right you're right yeah so I want to uh, throw one more plug in there for mm -hmm. this one, and I'm I'm going to try to be as um, PG as I can. Mm -hmm. So um, sexual compulsions, mm -hmm. sexual addictions. So if you have your child listening to this podcast with you, <laughs> now's the time to turn the volume down or tell them to go put in. those earbuds in. <laughs> That's it. You know, take your time. I give right. you give you a couple seconds to go do that. Right. Um, so, I won't, I, yeah. so I won't go into them in great detail, but I think it's a very important thing because it's very disruptive to people's lives, mm -hmm. and sometimes we're not aware of it. We mm -hmm. often will say that the person, the guy that cheats, or the wife that cheats, you know, whatever, that they're uh, addicted to sex. That's why they cheat. No, mm -hmm. they're addicted to attention, and they want to be. Mm -hmm. You know, there are other things going on. Sometimes it's simply the, the thrill sex. of doing what right. you shouldn't. Yeah. Right. 
but sex addiction, when I talk about those, I talk about pornography. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, uh, watching it, participating in it, just wanting to have your library built. Um, cyber sex, big, 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 big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, phone sex, you know, uh, mm. just being obsessed with talking about it or looking at it on the Internet mm-hmm. uh, or bringing it up oddly in conversations, you know, um, and just you know, making all these sexual uh, innuendos towards whatever. Uh, multiple anonymous partners. So yes, you do have the person that's, you know, that uh, will constantly cheat, but it's, sometimes it's more than the success of why they're, they're cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person with a lot of kids, a man that has a lot of kids, he's got unsafe sexual activity, just being with whomever. Mm-hmm. It's not because he loves kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he is addicted to sex or wanting whatever that high that is that, that they're getting mm-hmm. uh, a person that um that a partner sexualization wanting your partner to maybe dress up uh, or play a role or pretend to be somebody else mm-hmm. you know wear a wig or whatever a lot of role role playing um objectifying them seeing them as just a sex object you mm-hmm. know people call this now the booty call Mm-hmm. It is objectifying you. That is your role. That's the only role that you have. I see you after 10 and before 4 a.m. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's all mm-hmm. we're there for. You need to recognize, you know, who that is. A lot of people will say, oh, your guy is only calling you after 10 o'clock. That's a booty call. He's probably married. He may not be. Right. He may not be married. He may be a workaholic. <laughs> yeah, maybe work, exactly. He might be a workaholic. He he may just need to see you just for that. That's all you are. That, that right. you're there for. And if that's not what you want to be, the role you want to play, then that's not a person you need to be with. But mm-hmm. that's that's what that is. But you're right. He could very well just be a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so going to strip clubs, mm-hmm. uh, being obsessed with them, spending all your money there, not being able to pay your bills. If you got to use a credit card when you go to the strip club. Mm-hmm. You might be a little bit obsessed. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, sexual aversions, mm-hmm. like different things that are not just, I mean, normalizing sex. I teach a course on human sexuality. So normalcy for sex is what's normal for that couple, what that couple is okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you want to do things that are, I don't want to use the word taboo, but really just wrong, like sex with children or sex with animals. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be mindful of that, that you're really obsessed mm-hmm. um, and you need help. Prostitution. So there are some people who don't want to have a sexual relationship beyond the sex itself, and they want would rather be with a prostitute or people just want to pay for sex. Mm-hmm. I feel I could do whatever I want to do because I pay for it. Right. You know? uh, and no entanglement afterwards. Exactly. Um, so um, I think maybe the last one that comes to mind would be masturbation. Mm-hmm. Masturbation does not necessarily mean that you're um, obsessed with sex, but there are some people who prefer masturbation than having a relationship. And these are people that are actually in a relationship and prefer masturbation. Because if you're single um, and you don't have any type of relationship with someone else, you're maybe you're even practicing celibacy. I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's perfectly fine and healthy to masturbate. But if mm-hmm. you have a partner that's a sexual partner and you prefer to be by yourself, or when you're with your partner, you want them to participate in your masturbation versus, you know, taking care of 
of both of your needs at the same time or whatever, what mm-hmm. have you, uh, then that could be a problem. Um, so, but so addiction itself, you know, then talking about sexual addiction, it could be a lot of different things, mm-hmm. you know, but they're usually like uh, a significant amount of uh, behaviors that are considered unhealthy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they hurt your relationships. They cause you to feel shame and embarrassment. Um, there are things that you keep in secret. Um, you know, things that cause you some anxiety um, and things that you really can't have on the front page of the newspaper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I just, you know, want to do that because there, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, negative things associated with um, unhealthy sexual addiction that people just don't talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. difficulties at work. Um, I know a, a young man who was fired from his job and, um, he initially wanted to talk about the fact that he was fired and he couldn't tell his wife that he was fired. But the problem was that why he was fired. He was mm-hmm. at point at work. Um, and so, you know, that was a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, because his wife didn't, you know, know or understand about his behaviors because he wasn't doing it at home. But then at work, he couldn't do whatever he needed to do at work because that's what he was doing. Right. Uh, so these days they put blocks and things on there on your computers or try to keep you from going to sex sites. But that's a shame, right? Because you shouldn't mm-hmm. do that when, when you're at work. So right. people losing friendships and relationships, um, you know, just getting into all types of um, um, trouble with their family members because they have this addiction that nobody else knows anything about. But it's right. taking away from them being able to do uh, normal things in their life, mm-hmm. be able to function, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. I think, you know, Everything that we've talked about today come there's there's you know they used to refer to marijuana as the gateway drug you know like if you mm-hmm. if you smoke marijuana you'll be doing cocaine in a year it's just you know and that's not necessarily the case but still there are things that you will um, you know whether it is stealing a kiss at the company party which leads to an affair um, if it is um, you know it's uh, one of the stats I was reading this morning was about pornography and just like you were talking about with the app that would have some ads that were not appropriate for the little kid to see, but that would get that kid to thinking about fine, you know, like, well, maybe I want to look at more of this stuff and which leads, you know, from the playboy back in the day where it was just, you know, like, um, you know, they were wrapped in a towel and it was just the top exposed to the, 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 um, the outright sex magazines to, and now everything is online. So it's not even having to go to some sort of triple X theater or go buy a magazine in a store. It's all online. So Mm -hmm. there are so many gateways that, you know, we, we all need to be aware of that when you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. And then there's always phase two through phase 20, which is, you know, could be your ultimate destruction, just like the guy losing his job at work because he was, you know, looking at porn and taking care of business for lack of a better uh, PG-13 term. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And and I think, too, as things escalate, you're aware of it. You're you're not completely blind to it. You realize that. Um, you know, you, you're not smoking weed anymore and you're not snorting cocaine anymore. You're shooting up heroin. You're having to do take, you know, it's more steps to get you to that high that just, again, you know, takes your mind off of what's really troubling you, which again, find a therapist 
And and I know we've said this before, but you know when you go, it, it's almost like shopping for a car. Not to belittle you at all, uh, Nicola, but I think you know where I'm coming from. In that, not every therapist is right for everybody. It would be nice if there was a Doctor Ruth that you could go to with any sex problem and be delivered from it, right? Or or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. There's just like you have friends that you gravitate towards and you love being together, and then you have working compadres uh, where, hey, you know what, he's a good editor, but I can't stand being around him or whatever. Um, you know, but it's the same thing with therapy. You may have somebody who is just so empathic that they see straight through you and say, you know what, here's the source. You may have somebody that it takes six months for them to say, hey, here's the source. You may have somebody who is sitting there with their, you know, I don't know, not giving you the attention that you're paying for and you get nowhere. And in that case, go find somebody else. You're not going to hurt that person's feelings. It is more important for you to get the help that you need and deserve than to make somebody feel good by giving the money when they're not helping you. Yep. I mean, um, honestly, um, anyone in the mental health professionals, therapists, counselors, coaches, psychotherapists, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. they have a code of ethics. And mm-hmm. the first code of ethics for everyone across the board is first do no harm. Mm-hmm. That means refer out if it's someone that is triggering you or you can realize that you're triggering them. Mm-hmm. Refer out um, if you have not worked with that population before and you've never dealt with that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you had a class on it, but that does not make you an expert or professional at all. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why there's a lot of uh, training and experience that goes with internships and residencies and postdoctoral things and licensure. There's a lot of aspect that goes to that person being able to sit in front of you being professional mm-hmm. to the point that they're supposed to know when they cannot help you because it's out of their scope of expertise or you're mm-hmm. not getting anything out of it or it's just not a good match. But mm-hmm. it is the, the first code of ethics is first do no harm. And so that's not offensive to any therapist or, mm-hmm. or counselor or anyone to be able to say uh, not everyone works for everyone. Sometimes it just isn't a good fit. Mm-hmm. And if the client can't say that because they feel that way, then definitely the person, the professional that you're working with should be able to speak up and find, help you find someone that will be a good match mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's no, there's no shame in, uh, in, in moving on because, uh, you know, it's not about the money at all. It is about helping that individual. If that's a good helping professional, then they have to, you know, be able to refer you to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's their responsibility. They can't just say, well, this is not working, so we can't see you. But they they have a responsibility to be able to refer you to someone and help you find someone that's really going to be able to work in your behalf, on your behalf. So, mm-hmm. And don't yeah. lose hope. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the 18 Degrees Below Horizon podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nicola Felton and John Fouts. While Dr. Nicola is a psychotherapist and certified life coach, a podcast is a one-way street. So please consider this podcast for inspirational purposes only. If you feel you have mental health needs, please seek a professional therapist so that you might find your own mental wellness. Happiness is possible. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.